An 11-year-old girl was walking to her bus stop one morning and then vanished. She was found 18 years later. This is the solved case of J.C. Lee Dugard. Let's get into it. This case story contains graphic content. Listener's discretion is advised. Also, if you're a fan of dark mystery stories along with true crime cases, then you're listening to the right podcast. I'll be uploading once a week, typically every Thursday. If that sounds like your cup of tea, then all you have to do is hit the five-star review button and subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. Now, let's dive right in. In September 1990, JC's mother, Terry Probin, and her stepfather, Carl Proben decided it would be best for their little family to move from Orange County, California to Tahoe. There was a lot of crime going on in Orange County and they wanted to get away from that. However, their lives changed for the worse nine months after they moved. On June 10, 1991, 11-year-old JC wakes up to the sound of her alarm clock. After hearing her mother leave for work, she decided it would be best if she walked to her bus stop that morning. Because every time she would ask her stepfather Carl to take her to school, it seemed like he would get irritated with her. JC always felt like Carl treated her differently because she wasn't his biological daughter. She had a younger stepsister by the name of Shayna who she loved and adored. JC loved playing with Shayna right before she would leave for school, so that's exactly what she did that morning. She remembers not feeling good and her stomach felt really queasy. She was even thinking about asking Carl to stay home from school that day, but she didn't want him to be disappointed with her. So she didn't ask him. She said her goodbyes and she headed towards the same route she took every morning. But that day was different. As she was walking, she was thinking about an exciting field trip that her school was going to take to a water park. But that's when the most terrifying thing happened to her. A vehicle that she didn't recognize started to follow her. She knew something wasn't right and decided to speed up her pace, but it was too late. The driver of the vehicle rolled down his window and asked her for directions. When she turned around, he pointed a stunt gun towards her and shot her with it. It caused JC to collapse to the ground and when she tried to escape, she couldn't. She couldn't move at all. Her legs were completely numb. She did whatever she could to try to scooch back into some bushes. That's when he shot her a second time. At this point, he was able to grab her little body into his vehicle. She was dragged to the back of the seat with a blanket covering her face so that she wouldn't be able to see anything. She felt somebody stepping over her and knew that she wouldn't be able to escape. The vehicle started to move and that's when she noticed that there was an accomplice with her kidnapper. But who were these people and what did they want from her? Her stepfather, Carl, would watch her walk to the bus stop and notice the kidnapping happening. So he went and grabbed his mountain bike and started chasing down the vehicle. Unfortunately, he lost the car and was unable to catch up. JC would walk down this steep hill to get to the bus stop, which was a good quarter mile, but it was still pretty easy for Carl to keep an eye on her while she was walking. Before JC's abduction, while she was walking to the bus stop, her stepfather Carl noticed the car circling 
rolling around and driving really slow down that hill. As soon as he noticed what was going on, that's when he jumped on his bike and tried to catch them. But it all happened so quickly. A neighbor called 911 right away, but it was already too late. JC was gone. Carl lived with agony for a really long time, but there was nothing that he could have done about it. When the vehicle stopped, she was pulled out by Philip and Nancy Garrido. Philip was a convicted criminal with a really scary past. She was forced to shower immediately upon entering their home. Then after she showered, she was given some clothes and led towards the backyard where there was a really small shed. Philip walked her into the shed and then removed her blindfold, showing her where she would be sleeping at. He handcuffed her and made sure to lock the door behind him. There was no way she was able to escape. So many days and nights would pass by in the dark and lonely shed. The only light she would see was a little bit of light peeking in through a small window. So many days went by and JC had lost track of what day it was while being in that shed. Philip would randomly come in, he would start manipulating her with words and bribing her with milkshakes. By doing this, he was trying to gain her trust. He would also bring in fast food meals and little toys that she could play with, anything possible in order to make her feel comfortable so that he could take advantage and sexually molest her. When he would do these disgusting things to her, she was only 11 and had no idea what he was doing. Something like this had never happened to her before. She knew it wasn't right and hated every bit of it, but was trying to do whatever she could just to survive. She was terrified and didn't know what else to do. Over the years with conversation with Nancy and Philip, she would learn that Philip would start using certain drugs before coming into the shed, like speed and cocaine. While he was on these drugs, that's when he would go into the shed and abuse her over and over and over again. He would brainwash her into believing that what she was doing was saving other kids from the demonic person that he was so that those other kids wouldn't be his victims because he was using his fantasies on her instead. Now, Nancy was Philip's wife, but she was also his accomplice. She knew everything that was happening and was a part of it. She let him do these disgusting and disturbing things to JC and was okay with it. Nancy even knew that Philip was sick in the head and she would help him when they would go to local parks by filming little children on the playground. Philip would pretend that he was playing some kind of musical instrument. Nancy would hide a camcorder in her purse and the purse had a little hole in it. From that hole, that camcorder was able to record those little kids on the playground. In other situations, she would pretend that she was filming him singing when she was really filming the kids behind him. He brought JC some pets to keep her company like cats. She really loved cats and it made her happy. JC loved it when they would bring her pets because of how lonely she was in the shed and they would keep her company. But after two years of being kidnapped, JC would soon find out that she was pregnant with her first child. She was 14 years old at the time and would give birth to a beautiful baby girl who she loved and adored with her whole heart. She gave birth on the floor of that shed with Nancy and Philip by her side, helping her throughout the whole labor. Shortly after, she would become pregnant with her second child, another daughter. Now she was horrified about giving birth to her two daughters. However, at the same time, she was a little happy that she would have somebody she could call her own that could keep her company while being abducted. She had no idea if she would ever be released and did whatever she could just to stay alive. 
although she did miss her family so much the whole entire time. All she would think about is that she would have to give birth to these two girls without her own mom being there. When her baby girls were born, she promised to protect them no matter what. In Philip and Nancy's corrupt minds, they now saw JC and her daughters as one big family. For doctor visits and schools, the daughters had to refer to Nancy as their mother and JC as their sister, so no one would suspect anything. JC would start journaling everything, so many different emotions that she was feeling throughout the years, but Philip told her that she had to stop signing her name so that no one would find those and find out who was writing. She had to pick a new name for herself. For the rest of the time during her captivity, she started going by the name of Alyssa. JC always wanted to be an author and journaling was something that she was passionate about, but she had to listen to Philip because she really didn't know any better and she was still frightened of him. Nancy finally started taking JC out of the shed and would take her to get their nails done together. Sometimes they would even go to beaches, but she always had this fear of escaping in case he would do something horrible to her daughters. She wanted to make sure she would protect those girls every chance she got, and she did exactly that. Philip was a registered sex offender from a crime that he committed a few years before kidnapping JC. So parole officers would still come to the house and check up on him. As many times as those parole officers went to the house, they had no idea JC and her daughters were living in the shed in the backyard. In 2006, the neighbors even called the cops and reported to officers that children were living in tents in the backyard. But Philip would tell them that it was just his kids and they would play back there. So they left him alone. They didn't do anything about it. After the justice system failed JC time and time again, it finally came to an end. On August 24, 2009, Philip wrote a four-page essay on how he managed to control human impulses that drive humans to commit dysfunctional acts. He took JC's daughters with him to the University of California police office, along with his essay. And in some sick and twisted way, he felt the need to share his essay with them in order to help others. But his plan went south. The officers quickly noticed that something wasn't right about them. His behavior seemed very off to the two officers, along with the daughters. They ran a background check on him and discovered that he was a registered sex offender and wasn't supposed to be around any young children. He was violating his parole by doing so. When he was asked who those kids were, he lied and said it was his nieces and that they were allowed to be with him. However, the two female officers kept their cool and they didn't show any signs of them knowing that something wasn't right. They had a feeling that those girls were being kidnapped just by the way they were acting. And the pale look on their faces, one of the girls had a bump on her eye which was being covered by hair. So any signs of abuse, these officers knew that they had to report it. When the officer asked the girl what happened to her eye, she replied with a very rehearsed response. She said it was a birth defect and that she would have it for the rest of her life. They asked Philip to come back, but this time with JC, Nancy, and both daughters. The officers separated all of them and started questioning them individually. JC was so afraid and wouldn't tell the officers her real name. Because over the years, Nancy and Philip had conditioned her to say that her name was Alyssa if anybody ever asked her. Frightened, she was sticking to that until Philip cracked and confessed to everything. At that moment, JC finally told officers who she really was. She was so afraid to verbally say her name, so officers handed her a piece of paper across the table, and that's when she wrote her name, JC Lee 
need to guard. It was the first time she had written her name in so long. Officers confirmed her identity. They picked up the phone and contacted her mother, Terry, telling her the great news. She was at work at the time and couldn't believe it. She started screaming and crying and she just couldn't believe what she was hearing. Although Terry had never given hope on her daughter, she finally confirmed that her daughter was still alive. Terry was left with no answers for the past 18 years, not knowing where her daughter was or if she was even alive. Thankfully, that all changed. Philip was sentenced to 431 years in prison, while Nancy received 36 to life for being his accomplice. JC did become the author that she always wanted to be, writing her own book, A Stolen Life. I read her book, A Stolen Life, and thought it was very interesting hearing her side of the story and what happened to her during those days of captivity. However, I highly recommend it to those who don't have a sensitive stomach. She does share a lot of graphic content that happened to her during those 18 years. It was released in 2011 and it is her life memoir. She does have a second book called Freedom, which was released in 2016 and she talks more about life after her abduction. She also runs a nonprofit called the Jace Foundation, which helps families overcome trauma. Over the years, media had portrayed JC as having Stockholm Syndrome during her captivity, and she wants the public to know that there was no Stockholm Syndrome going on. She was trying to do whatever she could to protect herself, and then when her daughters came along, to protect them as well. Victims can be diagnosed with Stockholm Syndrome. It's a coping mechanism in which victims start growing positive feelings for their captors. But JC does want the world to know that that wasn't the case for her. She was trying to do whatever she could just to survive. If you can take anything from this episode, it's just to be aware of your surroundings at all times. You never know who could be lurking around with horrible intentions. Make sure to stay safe out there because this world is crazy and keep protecting yourself and others. If there's a case that you want me to talk about, I do have a case recommendation form found on my website, marianefsu.com.